So, Father, we pray you would bless your word. I pray it would be your words would come out, not mine. And I pray you would really bless this word. Speak it into our hearts. We open our hearts to you right now. And we come against all distractions. In Jesus' name, settle your word in our spirits. We love you and we love your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So I encourage you to take notes. And the title is Send Me. Send Me. Very simple, and I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 6 in the NIV, a few verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying. They were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and this is my key text, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. You know, here we see Isaiah having a visitation, a vision, perhaps, of the Lord in heaven. Now, this is really similar to Revelation 4 verse 8, isn't it? Where you've got some flying creatures singing the holy, holy song again. Over and over. So it happened in Isaiah, with Isaiah in the Old Testament. John saw it again in Revelation in the New Testament. So we've got Isaiah here having an encounter with the living God, and he is forever changed by this encounter. He has experienced being in the presence of the Lord Almighty. And he is struck by his own deficiencies. And Isaiah then cries out to the Lord and, and then he overhears God's voice. And as a result, he surrenders all. He overhears the cry of God's heart, who will go for me? And he volunteers, he signs up. Here am I, oh, oh, pick me, pick me. Here am I, send me. Here am I, Send me. Now, Isaiah didn't even know what he was signing up for. He did not know what he was volunteering for. He did not know where the Lord would send him. He did not know what the Lord would have him do. But it didn't matter. He was just so in love with God, he signed up for service. Isaiah was so consumed with the Lord that nothing else mattered. Do you know when we truly get a glimpse of him, Nothing else will compare. When we are all struck by the presence of the Lord, nothing else comes close. What else matters? And then when we're in that place of encounter, we find ourselves too saying, oh, pick me, send me, I'll go. And we sign up for his mission, for a mission from God. Like those great prophets, the Blues Brothers once said, we're on a mission from God. What a privilege to be chosen, to be sent 
on a mission from God. And Isaiah's experience is reminiscent also of the disciples. You know, once those guys met Jesus, they dropped everything to follow him. Who's been watching The Chosen? Uh, the new season's come out. I went to the movies and saw it. If you haven't watched The Chosen, you need to. It's free. You just get an app, download the app, and it's crowdfunded, and you can watch it. It's like the Bible on video. It's amazing. you got to watch it. Tell the person next to you, you got to watch it. It's so hard to find something decent to watch. Well, now you have something. We have it. <laughs> you know, like the disciples, when we truly encounter the Lord, when we come closer to Him than we ever have before, there is no going back. We just can't go back to how we used to be. We will yearn and hunger for more of Him. We will join our hearts with Him. We will lay it all down. We will sign up for anything, anywhere. We'll say, here am I. Send me. So I've only got two points this morning. That's good news, isn't it? Point number one, write this down. It starts with a God encounter. It starts with a God encounter. Do you know everything we do flows out of our encounters that we have with the living God? I guarantee Isaiah would not have put his hand up to go who knows where to do who knows what unless he had first come so near the Lord that it altered him forever. He was so fundamentally forever changed that the fruit of that encounter was surrender, full surrender and service. You know, the devil will do anything he can to stop you having an encounter with the Lord. Because he knows the result of it. He knows that it will render you unstoppable for the kingdom after you've had an encounter. The believers who do the most for the Lord are the ones who have done so from a place of encounter. And it's followed by full surrender. Who's heard of C.T. Studd? He was one of the Cambridge Seven. He played cricket for England in the 1880s. But he laid it all down to serve God on the mission field in China. Seven of them did. And they went and helped Hudson Taylor. Then later, he spent his whole life serving God in Africa and in India. And he was a machine. And he was the one who said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And he also said, the only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. You know, we've got guys like that. We've got guys like and people in the Bible. So many of the Bible greats did great things for God because they first had an encounter with him. Look at Noah. God met with him and spoke with him, built a boat. Look at Abraham. God met with him and called him to go who knows where. Look at Jacob. He had the latter thing from heaven. Angels going up and down. Look at Moses. He had a burning bush and God speak. Look at Joshua. He lingered in the tent in the presence of God. Look at Samuel as a wee lad. God called his name. Look at David worshipping God out the back of the farm on his 10 string lyre, writing songs to the Lord. We've got the book of Psalms. Look at Solomon. He had an encounter, even a dream, and fire came down from heaven. Look at Paul, who was Saul on the road to Damascus, met the Lord. Every great thing they did for God came out of an encounter with the Lord. Encounters with God are life-changing. We have 66 chapters written by Isaiah in our Bibles because that guy chose to have an encounter with God. And we had the privilege when we visited Israel seeing the scrolls, the Dead Sea Scrolls of his book, Isaiah. So we've got to have 
an encounter with God. I'm not talking about a little bit of religion here. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 29, it's up on the, coming up on the screen. The Bible describes the Lord as pure fire. He's not like fire. He is a fire. This is not an analogy. This is the truth. And the closer we come to Him, the closer we come to this fire, we catch on fire and we become a firebrand for Him. And then the next thing is we become a fire starter, a spiritual pyromaniac. Someone called me that once. It was the greatest compliment I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Not only fire carriers, but fire starters for God. And this is what God wants for all His children, to draw near to the fire of the Lord, catch on fire and then go out and spread that fire, starting fires everywhere, all over Mokoro, all over Tauranga. And don't worry, Nathaniel's a fireman and he's worried. I'm not talking about arson, it's spiritual fire, okay? <laughs> Relax. Start a fire in your school. And, not really, but like, I'm going to burn it down. No, no, no. A spiritual fire, revival. In your school, in your uni, at work, in your office, in your street, in your tennis club. Because God doesn't want us to burn out. He wants us to burn up ablaze with fire all the days of our lives. Like CT stud. Then self is burned up. Worldliness is burned up. Wrong desires are burned up. And we become consumed with him instead. And his fire burns up the flesh nature, the sinful nature. And then I tell you what happens an hour and a half on Sunday mornings is just not enough anymore. We want more. We want more in 2024. And so we then we end up doing this full surrender, we're saying, oh, send me, pick me, send me. Point number two. Number one was it starts with a God encounter. Number two, then we volunteer for the mission. So first we have the encounter and then it's followed by service and mission. It's not the other way around. Many believers have a preference of one of those things over the other. Oh, well, we, we're all about Holy Spirit encounter on the altar. And others are like, well, well, we're all about mission and evangelism in the community. And some are like, well, I go to a Holy Spirit church and we like prayer meetings and worship and altar ministry. And others are like, well, I go to a mission evangelistic church and we're into outreach and mission and serving our community. So, so which one is it? Which church should we be? Should we be pursuing an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Yes. Should we be pursuing evangelism and mission? Yes. It's not an either or. It's an and and both. We need to be both. The Bible advocates for both. One flows out of the other. We have the encounter and then the mission flows out of that. And this process is one we see here with Isaiah. He had the encounter, then he surrendered and mission came out of that. God sent him. We see this with the disciples. They had an encounter with the Lord and then he sent them. As they surrendered, he sent them on a mission. And this is like us too. Like Isaiah, we spend time in the presence of God. We we get full of the Holy Spirit. We get a revelation of who he is. We're undone. And and we surrender all. We give our all and say, oh, pick me, set me. So we're signing up for mission and evangelism, but it always flows out of a fully surrendered heart, which flows out of an encounter with the Lord. Mission follows encounter every time. Don't try and short circuit the process. 
If we try and do the mission before we've encountered His presence, we'll be doing it in our own strength and we won't last and we'll put out. And how many of those have we seen? Too many. We need to be filled with the supernatural power before we can do the supernatural stuff. Jesus emphasised this also to his disciples after his resurrection. Two scriptures come up on the screen. Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Said it again in different words in Acts 1 verse 4 and 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's like Jesus is saying, guys, don't even try and fulfill the Great Commission in your own strength. Please just wait until you've had the power encounter of being filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. He is the fuel inside us who keeps us burning, who will never part out. But how many Christians think, oh, I don't need that. And they try and do the mission in their own strength and they part out and they don't last. We so need to have an encounter like Isaiah did with the power and presence of God, like the disciples did, and be baptised in the fire of the Holy Spirit, filled to overflowing. Only then can we be sent out in the power of the Spirit. Now, here at C3 City Church, we are definitely a missional church. The first line of our church vision and mission is, say it with me, save souls. Let's say the vision together, shall we? Save souls, disciple believers, train leaders. Oh, very nice. So the first line is save souls. One of our church values is outward and focus. We support many overseas missionaries and we have for many decades and do trips, except when the borders are closed and then we don't do any. Um, and Ellen and I have got the privilege of going to see the Sakotas in Indonesia this year, except they won't be there when we're there. But anyway, it's going to be amazing. Uh, and we love all that stuff. And, and we're into church planning, see Three is a movement that's into church planning. We've planted locations north and coast. We've set coast free now to be its own church. We want to plant more. We've sent other people out to plant churches in New Zealand. Jared and Rachel, 18 months ago in Timaru and Tauranga, Nithin with his Indian church about three or four years ago. About 13 years ago, Joseph and Lisa McCauley were sent out with 60 people to plant St. Luke's. And we want to do more because church planning is the best form of evangelism ever. Because it's, you're sinking a well when you plant a church that will feed people for generations. And then that church you plant will keep doing and reaching their community with letterbox drops and carols in the park and Easter egg hunts and mainly music and, and cap and outreaches and Easter and the whole deal. But before we as a church, before any of us do anything for God, it must first come from a place of us having been changed in an encounter with Him. Because when we have an encounter, this is where we die to ourselves and our hearts are aligned with Him. This is why we want each person here at C3 City Church to have an encounter with God, to be baptised in the fire of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Not just one encounter, but many. Ongoing encounters. We encourage each person to have a freedom prayer where we encounter the Holy Spirit and hear from God ourselves. 
and to go on a seeking God retreat. Who's ever been on one of those? Amazing. We have, we're having three this year. We might have four next year. It's a weekend away where you're just in the presence of God, a weekend worship and the prophetic's flowing and there's many ministry times and time for you to hear alone with the Lord. And you just basically get pickled in the Holy Ghost. Tell the person next year, you could do with a bit of pickling. That's right. So if you haven't been on a Sing God retreat, do one this year. If you haven't been on a Freedom Prayer, sign up. It's free. It only takes about an hour, an hour and a half. And at the church office with our team who are specially trained in that. If you haven't been on an altar call for a while, now's the time. One of our church values is led by the Spirit. This is why we have altar call ministry with a team who are trained in praying for people most Sundays. The altar is a powerful place. It is a place of sacrifice. It is a place of death. We die to ourselves. You know, in the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals on the altar. And if you were a cow or a sheep, it was a bad day when you were led to the altar because you weren't coming back from there. And in the New Testament, it's still, it's still a place of sacrifice. It's still a place of death where we come down here to the altar to meet God and we die to our own desires and we offer ourselves on the altar totally to Him. And it says in the New Testament and Romans, like a living sacrifice. And God can still use people who have had a power encounter with Him, who have died to themselves surrendered all and said, here am I, send me. Man, I lived on the altar. The first three years of my Christian walk, three and a half years, morning and night, I was on the altar and there's probably still snot and tears in the carpet of Gateway, which was Hamilton Assembly of God at the time. And has anyone ever been to that church and seen the carpet? We visited it. It's one of the 12 we visited. It's still there. And I think it's 40 years old now. And I think it was such good quality, it'll last another 40 years. And it's so busy, you could drop a pizza on it and you'd never notice. It's like Paisley, and it used to go a metre up the walls and assault your eyes, but now it's not on the walls as well. But anyway, I know I wouldn't have put my hand up and said to God, here am I, send me, had I not had some power encounters with him first. And after those encounters, I was so changed and so consumed with his fire that nothing else mattered. Nothing else except serving him. So I said, pick me, here am I, send me. And he sent me to Tauranga with this guy from the youth group called Alan Hood. And I'm so glad he did. We all know we need to have a power and encounter with him. It's not just to have some nice spiritual fluttery feelings, but you might. But the encounter is a necessary process because it changes us. So then we can be of use to Him. Everything we do for the Lord must flow out of a close love walk with Him, must flow out of close encounters with Him. Otherwise, the danger is we can end up with a works mentality. This is where we just tick all the religious boxes, just like the Pharisees. They had a works mentality. Oh, those guys were spiritual. They were fasting two days a week. They were memorising scripture. They had been trained. They had been to Bible colleges. They even tithed their garden herbs, but they didn't know Jesus. He was right in front of them and they wouldn't even acknowledge him as the son of God. And Jesus didn't pick any of those guys. None of them did he pick to be in his team. He picked tradies, fishermen, 
social outcasts who were hated like tax collectors. That's who he chose. People who didn't know anything. Because the people who thought they knew everything already couldn't learn from Jesus. We must beware of the works mentality of trying to earn our way into the kingdom by doing good works and service. We never can. A works mentality says, I have to serve God. I have to do this. I have to go to church. I have to, I have to go to the connect. I have to. I have to remember. Rather than I want to serve God. Or even better, I get to serve God. It's a privilege. Some of us... We were all on our way to hell. Some of us would already be there, but now we get to serve God. Now we see here in the word that Isaiah volunteered. He said, here am I, send me. The Lord didn't force him. The Lord never forces anyone. In his army, God doesn't do conscription. He lets volunteers join up. He's into free will. I know because I've seen Bruce Almighty. He's into free will. And he lets us put our hands up for the mission. Has anyone ever read any of Dave Mann's awesome books, the little ones he's done for kids, um, but they're also for adults? And they're like comic books. They're called The Chronicles of Pucky, and they're about the history of New Zealand and round about this time of the gospel coming. You should read them. They're all in the church library, and they're amazing, and they've got pictures, and they're just so cool, and you can read them in like half an hour, and it's really fun. And one of them was about this guy called Octavius Hadfield. Who would call an innocent little newborn baby Octavius? That's cruel, I reckon. Oh, we're going to become grandparents in five months. Isn't that cool? Granny Hood right here. Come on. Anyway, Octavius was born in England in the early early 1880s. No, the early 1800s. He was one of 12 children. He loved God. He had an encounter and he said, here am I, send me. He said, I'll I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. But Octavius had been a very sickly lad. He'd had asthma and all through his teens, and he nearly died several times. In fact, he couldn't finish finish his university degree. He had to drop out because he was so sick. His family actually thought he wouldn't live long, let alone survive the journey of many months to travel to the mission field. He wanted to go anywhere they'd send him. He joined up with the CMS, a missionary society. They said, New Zealand, he said, I'm up for it. And he thought, you know what, I might not live long, so I'm going to give every day I have to serve the Lord. So they sent him to New Zealand. He got a burden for the Maori people, a desire. He, he became fluent in te reo, and he wanted to reach the Maori people. He joined the missionaries in Paihia, Henry Williams and his family, who was instrumental in setting up the treaty. And they got him teaching school with the missionary kids for a few years. And, and he did that diligently. But he said, I really want to reach the Maori people, not teach the white kids. And he, and he wanted to go somewhere and do something. And then um, I think it was Te Raupraha, warlike Maori chief from Otaki and Waikanae, just north of Wellington, came up and said, we need someone to teach us. So Henry and Octavius went down. Henry said, I think this is God. I think you should go. And he's like, yeah, I think so too. But he didn't know if his health would handle it because going further south, his lungs were acting up. And he thought again, I might not live long. I'm just going to give every day to serve God. Send me, Lord. So the Lord sent him down there. And, and he established these two mission statements about 12 miles apart, Otaki and Waikanae. And he would ride on the coast there, on the west coast, just near Kapiti Island. And he'd ride up and down on his horse between them. And he lived amongst the Maori people. And they loved him. And they called him their father, Te Harawera, because they couldn't say Hadfield. Well, it was the translation of Hadfield. 
And, and he became an expert in custom and protocol and te reo, set up a school, was teaching the Māori people. And, he, you know, Octavius did amazing things with God. He even got married to one of Henry Williams' daughters in his late 30s. And they were married for about 50 years. And they had nine children. And, and he became a key advocate here in early New Zealand for Māori. He was lobbying Parliament, New Zealand and England on their behalf. He was writing books and pamphlets to support Māori rights. He became very unpopular with our government here and all the European settlers here. But in his heart, he was a peacemaker and he would take the gospel to other parts of New Zealand. He'd often go on treks, like he went way up for weeks in the bush in Taranaki to take the gospel there. He later became the Archdeacon of Kapiti, then the Bishop of Wellington. Wellington, and eventually the primate, it sounds like a monkey, but it's not, it was like the Archbishop of New Zealand. And Octavius kept having a go for God. He kept saying, here am I, send me, I might not have long to live, but send me. And he didn't stop. And he lived until 90 years. What a legacy this guy left behind, all because he responded to the Lord with, here am I, send me. I'm sick, but I'll still go. If the bank would join me, please. Today, here, now, in 2024, the Lord is still calling people. The Lord is still asking the same question. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And he is looking for a response. He is watching to see who will draw near enough to him to overhear the cry of the Lord's heart. Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? Isaiah drew near enough to hear the cry of the Lord's heart. Who amongst us will draw near enough to hear the cry of the Lord's heart? Who will draw near enough to catch his fire? He is watching us. 2 Chronicles 16.9a For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. He is watching now to see who is seeking him at home, individually. He is watching to see who is seeking him on this altar corporately. He is seeking out those who are seeking after him. The Lord is looking today for servants who will lay down their agenda for his agenda. He is still looking for followers who will say, here am I, send me. But can he find any? It's hard enough just to get his people to lay down every second Tuesday night to go to connect group, let alone lay down their lives. Lord, I'm on the altar, I give you everything. All good, let's start by getting you into some fellowship so you can grow. Connect group every second Tuesday night. Oh no, Lord, you're not having my Tuesday nights, it's half price at the movies. No way, Jose. Where are the people who will lay down everything because they've had an encounter with the Lord? Where are the people who will be willing to be sent out, like Octavius, anywhere? And do anything, because they're available. And saying, here am I, send me. It may not necessarily be to Africa. It may be to your hurting neighbour. And you can help them by taking their kids to school every day along with your kids. It may be to serve here at Mainly Music. I think it's Tuesday mornings. And help Annie and her team. And sit with a young mum who has no idea what to do. Where is God sending you in 2024? It may be to the nation here. 
It may be to the nations. It may be right here in this city in Omokoroa. To whom is God sending you in 2024? It may be to that new student in your uni class who doesn't know anyone. It may be to that guy at work in your office who's going through marriage struggles. We are the called out ones, the ecclesia, the church. We are the sent ones. So we need to make 2024 count for the kingdom of God. Let's stand this morning. Will you say to the Lord in 2024, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. If you are saying that to Him, I want to invite you to put legs to that right now and step out of your comfortable seat and come out the front. And some of the team will stand with you and pray. There's people here who want to respond to the send me. There's other people here who want to respond to the encounter part. You're like, first, Lord, I need to have the encounter with you. I haven't had an encounter with you or I need another encounter with you. I need you and you. I want to invite you also to step out of your seat and kneel or stand here for the Lord to touch you. In Jesus' name, we're going to send this song, Send Me, in just a moment. Thank you, Father. If that's you, come now before we sing. Thank you, Father.